the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today I have a, an extremely important show for you. This touches all of us. It should there is extreme injustice going on right in our backyard in the state of Florida. Many of you who have been listening to this show since May, when I first had Robert Schindler Sr. on, the father of Terry Schindler Shivo, um, we talked at that time about her plight and about the injustice that was going on uh, in a Florida courtroom under the ruling of Judge Greer who is, has been essentially year by year making rulings to, um, to torture and kill her. And if he has his way, that's exactly what will happen beginning on this Friday, uh, this Friday afternoon. And we are, um, we, my guests especially, are doing everything they can, have been doing everything they can to stop this from happening. Um, this is a case that you may well have heard of. I'm sure you have in the media. Uh, and actually, beginning in May when I had Mr. Schindler Sr. on the show, and we talked about um, Terry's plight, and uh, it became clear to me in his description when I asked him to talk about uh, Terry's life, what she was like, what her marriage was like, it became incredibly clear that Terry's husband, Michael Shivo, fit the profile of what I call the Prince of Darkness type of bad boy, a man like O.J., like Scott Peterson, a man who is afraid of abandonment, and when he feels that his wife or his girlfriend, his, his lover at the moment, is going to abandon him, he goes into a rage. And it seems clear since then, I've been doing a lot of research and, uh, and looking into this, and it seems clearer and clearer that that exactly is exactly what happened that night. But... Before I uh, <laughs> I go on and explain some of this, back, give you some backstory a little more, I want to go and introduce my guests to you immediately um, because they are both very busy men talking to uh, lobbying, making all kinds of lobbying uh, efforts, visiting Terry, um, doing everything they can, every minute is precious, um, to try to stave off yet again this removal of her feeding tube, which is due to happen on Friday. So, welcome to the show, um, Bobby Schindler Jr., who is Terry's brother, and Robert Schindler Sr., Terry's father. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. Now, I would like to start with you, Bobby. First of all, you're in Washington, D.C., and uh, why don't you give us a, um, a glimpse into what you've been doing there. Well, we've been uh, just trying to uh, meet with as many uh, congressmen and senators as possible. Uh, we're, we're asking them to support uh, the bill introduced in the House by Representative Weldon and to, uh, re to uh, support the bill represent, uh, submitted or introduced in the Senate by uh, Senator uh, Mel Martinez. And what are those bills um, 
what do they plan to do? What are they trying to do? Well, basically it has to do with habeas corpus. And, and what we're asking, what these bills are asking, is that Terry is afforded uh, the same uh, due process rights as, as convicted killers are afforded. Uh, particularly, Terry never was represented by her own legal counsel. Uh, my parents had their own attorney, Michael Shivo, uh, had his uh, representation. But Terry was represented by the judge in this case. And we're asking if the federal courts uh, will review uh, the state courts, as they do in criminal, uh, in criminal proceedings. And, uh, you know, Terry, who is on death row, essentially, uh, but is innocent of any crime, we're asking the federal court re review uh, the state, the state proceedings, and we feel as though Terry should have been afforded a uh, an attorney to represent yes. her throughout these uh, proceedings. And what is the status of this now? Well, how, it's, how far has it gotten? Well, it, we're, we're getting a lot of support. Uh, and speaking with the senators and congressmen, it seems that we're getting a lot of support. A lot of people are co-signing both uh, both the House and the Senate. It's just uh, again, we're we're on a real short time time uh, cycle here. We're you know, Friday at 1 p.m., uh, Terry's feeding tube could possibly be removed. So right now it looks like it's just a time thing, uh, uh, being, you know, able to get this thing passed and signed into law by Friday. Yes, a race against the clock. Now what I wanted to talk about most of all with you is your um, experience. You were very close to Terry and uh, before this incident uh, occurred in 1990. And you um, were... Uh, well, first of all, she had told. Could you just give us a background of what exactly happened that night? Since you actually were the first one, besides her husband, uh, to be on the scene. Um, I was listening today to the radio show that we did in May, and um, reminding, hearing some of these things again now, it just becomes the picture becomes even clearer. Um, apparently, Terry was told you that that uh, she and her husband had a big argument that day and you offered to let her sleep there and she had told you that she was thinking of divorcing him. Well, well right. The, uh, just prior, I'd say several weeks prior to what happened that night, the incident that happened that night, uh, Terry did approach me and she was uh, she was hysterical crying and, and telling me that she wanted to divorce uh, Michael. And it kind of shocked me because although I know Terry and, you know, I know the relationship between Terry and Michael wasn't, wasn't the best, I didn't realize that uh, she had these feelings where she wanted to divorce Michael. And, uh, again, that happened just uh, several weeks before this incident uh, when she collapsed that night. Uh, the night that I did, I did see Terry did come over to visit me. We, we lived in the same apartment complex, and we would uh, frequently go out on the weekends together. And I had asked Terry, it was a Saturday night, if she was going to be going out with us. And she said no, that her and Michael had been uh, fighting all day, and she was just going to go home and wait, wait for him to get home. Now, um, I think the... the uh, there was her, her best friend, her co-worker, Jackie, was the one who suggested for Terry to come over and sleep with her. That wasn't uh -huh. me. Um, uh -huh. But nevertheless, Terry did tell me they were fighting, and, and she went home that night. She was perfectly fine, at least, you know, physically she was fine. I know emotionally she seemed to be a little distressed, but, you know, there was nothing wrong with her. And it was just a few hours later I got a phone call my, from my father telling me to get over to see Terry because she had uh, something had happened. And did she tell you either in regard to thinking about divorce or in regard to the argument, what was the problem between the two of them? She, she really didn't go into specifics. Terry was very protective of, uh, of well, she was very concerned about me going back and telling my mother and father uh, about Michael and Terry. My, my sister was, was very concerned about upsetting my parents, uh -huh. and she would do everything she could uh, to, to hide or protect my parents from knowing 
uh, anything that was, you know, going wrong in her life. Uh, she doesn't want to cause them any, any troubles. Um, so when she approached me that night, it was really the first time that I had known the severity of, of you know, how bad the relationship was. Mm-hmm. And tell us about what happened when you did go into that apartment. Well, my father, as I said, my father had called me to, to get over to, to what was wrong with Terry, and I was in the same apartment complex, so I, I ran over, and I was there in just a few minutes, and when I, when I walked into the apartment or ran into the apartment, uh, Michael was frantic, and I went over to, to, to see Terry, and she was lying face down uh, with her body on top of her uh, on top of her arms, and I remember her arms being uh, under her torso and, and her hands up by her neck, and she was making a very loud gurgling noise, almost like a loud snore, and I, I reached down, and you know, you got to remember, at this point, I had just saw Terry just a few hours earlier, and... I had thought she may have just fainted. I didn't know there'd be anything seriously wrong with her. And uh, when I went down and shook her on her shoulder, and I said, Terry, you know, get up, get up. Uh, and she didn't respond. And it was at that moment that the paramedics got there. And um, now, was Michael, had Michael become a nurse or a nurse's aide at that point? No, Michael was, a, he was in the uh, uh, food service business. He was a uh, restaurant manager at that time. So, but he did, was, wasn't there something about that he did know CPR or? That is he, correct. He, he did know CPR, but he, uh, for some reason, I don't know if it was just because he was panicking, uh, he, did not, he did not care or did not remember to use CPR that evening. And wasn't there some issue about um, which way she was lying? Well, I, my, my, um, my recount of what happened that night is consistent with the police report. Uh, Michael, interestingly enough, has two or three different accounts of that whole incident that night. And uh, uh, he claims that he was cradling her when I got there. Uh, another occasion or another incident, or I'm sorry, another time he, he claims that he was cradling Terry and then he, he, put, he placed her back down on the ground with her face in the ground to get up to uh, answer the door. Uh, I believe, I actually, I forget you know precisely what he says, but I do remember that he has two or three different accounts of of what happened that night, and that's in my mind. I, I remember exactly how I found Terry, and I and I, you know, as I said, it's consistent with what the police uh, report stated that night. Mm-hmm. And um, so tell tell us about how your why it is that you think that Michael may well have had something to do with her being found in that state when you got there and the paramedics got there? Well, in, you know, initially, um, our family, you know, we didn't, there, there wasn't, you know, we didn't have any reason at that time to suspect Michael. But uh, as, as years have passed and we started collecting uh, evidence, it became clearer and clearer to our family uh, by the evidence and, and some certain doctor's testimony and then your analysis doctor uh, that suggested that something violent could have happened uh, to Terry that night, and when you start connecting the dots, it, it really paints a scary picture uh, of what could have happened to Terry the night she collapsed. Yes, because you're referring to that uh, you, you eventually came across the, well, you, they eventually released the, um, the uh, medical records regarding her neck um, having perhaps undergone strangulation. Right. And, and just all these, all these, uh, you know, weird coincidences and, and suspicious, uh, you know, things that Michael w- was doing behind the scenes that we had no, uh, our family had no uh, idea 
that he was doing certain things, and, and we didn't start finding uh, this information out until just the last couple of years. And like? When we start finding this, we start, as I said, we start looking at, you know, this, this evidence. Right. It became clear and clearer that, that right. something uh, possibly, you know, um, as I said, something horrible could, uh, could have happened to, you know, to my sister and I should collapse by Michael. Right. Uh, you know, but I, I could, I could uh, you know, explain to you, you know, some of the things that our family has found. Uh, yes, go ahead. Martin. Well, we, the doctor testified that, uh, you know, he, Terry's neck was similar to that of someone who had been strangled. Uh, we found in the medical records that the night Terry was admitted to the hospital, uh, one of the doctors noted that her neck was somewhat stiff. Uh, we found in uh, 2002 uh, that there was, we found a bone scan that was uh, taken of Terry uh, just 53 weeks after her collapse, and that bone scan illustrated that Terry had a history of, of trauma, and they found broken bones all over her body. And we still, to this day, don't know how Terry uh, received those broken bones. Um, Michael took out a, he went to a funeral home, and was inquiring about a funeral for Terry way back in 1993. Michael had petitioned the courts to cremate her body immediately upon her death. Um, I'm just trying to think. There's, there's so much that we've yeah. collected, uh, you know, these past couple of years. Well, could you just hold on with us through the break? Sure. I know you don't have a lot of time, but I just would like to, uh, to talk about this a little bit more. Um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Those of you who have just uh, tuned in, I'm talking with my guest the family of Terry Schindler Schiavo, who is in a Florida hospice, and a judge has uh, essentially uh, sentenced her to uh, begin dying as of this coming Friday. Um, And we are um, trying to do everything, especially the family has been working very hard to do everything they can to prevent this. So please stay tuned because we're also going to give you uh, websites and ways that you can actually help Um, with this countdown. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Stay tuned. Informative. Educational. Insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? 
then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Make Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today uh, to save Terry Schindler-Shivo. That's the theme of the show. Again, uh, back again is Robert Schindler Sr., her father, and um, Bobby Schindler Jr., her brother. Um, it's been since the show in uh, May 2004 that I have been trying to help by putting together this um, profile of um, Michael Shivo, Terry's husband, as uh, fitting perfectly into the Prince of Darkness wife-abusing uh, profile. And um, Bobby, you were telling us before the break about some of the things that uh, um, some of the evidence that there is to support that. Um, I mean, it's an incredible list. It sort of, you know, has to, I mean, it's just um, astonishing how much um, points in that direction and astonishing that there has not been a criminal investigation of Michael Shivo. Right. Well, you, as you can imagine, our, you know, our family is very concerned uh, with what happened to Terry the night she collapsed. And, you know, at the very least, we'd like to get an investigation to, to if anything, clear Michael's name, if he, if he, in fact, did not do anything to Terry. But Michael and his attorney have been vehemently blocking any type of investigation. Uh, and I would think that if, if he was, uh, you know, if there wasn't anything that happened that night, why not allow an investigation? Uh, if it were me, I would certainly... Uh, ask for an investigation, knowing that I was, you know, I I did nothing wrong, and it would clear my name. Yes, and yet he has done everything to try to um, try to assure a a quicker demise, uh, like making not allowing them to treat her when she had urinary tract infections, um, all kinds of suspicious things as well that we can uh, perhaps talk about when uh, your attorney gets um, on the show later on, um, but it's just all things are pointing in the same direction, that he has something to hide. I guess the latest example is his not wanting to accept a million dollars, and I know, um, Robert, you had said that at some point somebody had offered $10 million to have him go away and give up her custody or guardianship to you, and, and yet for a million, he's not a, you know, he, he could use the money, and yet um, he's not willing to do that even for a million or ten million dollars, which is certainly suspicious in itself. Well, it, it, uh, this is Bob Sr. 
That ten million dollars was something that Chivo said. Oh, he said that he had been offered. Right after that million dollar offer was made to him, he said he's been offered ten million. Now we made an offer to him uh, some years ago, essentially of a half a million, and then we made another offer just recently that he could take everything. Uh, you know, all of the assets, he could have all the uh, movie rights, book rights, whatever, that uh, belonged you know, to Terry and this hard story, and we would then relinquish any, uh, any possession of that, uh, just to give it back to us. And he, he refused to do that as well. So obviously, you know, there's something more valuable to him than money, and it might well be his freedom. You well, know? Doctor, it's, uh, you know, there's there's three things as, as you know we look at it, and uh, you know, from, from a motive standpoint, and either he is totally dedicated to Terry and, and loves her so much, but that flies in the face of the fact that he's left her uh, literally within the first year after she had her uh, incident and uh, started hooking up with other women and. Has been living with a woman, woman now for the better part of ten years with two children, so it can't be that marriage bond and that love. It just uh, it contradicts that. And the uh, the other thing would be for money, and he's not accepting money, uh, so that's not a motive. So there's one last remaining thing: is the fact that he is somehow, in some way, he does not want to be exposed for what he did that night. And the only person that can really do that is Terry. Mm-hmm. And if she lives, and according to the medical experts, they're saying within a uh, relatively short period of time, she could be talking uh, uh, where we could understand what she's saying. She's talking now, but we uh, it's not, I guess, legible. Uh, but it's a matter of uh, this therapy where she will be able to express herself. So, uh, you know, I, no matter what you offer him as far as money, you know, you can't spend that in jail. Right. It just it just does it just it doesn't make any sense any way you look at this. He, it just doesn't make any sense why he is so adamant that Terry dies. And uh, it's like it's, it's like I tell everybody: you try to make sense out of something that just doesn't you, you can't make sense out of it. Right, because it's not as if he's uh, waiting to live with another woman or have children with another woman. I mean, his life is going on. So yes, why is he spending so much of his time um, and effort and money? Uh, Paying for lawyers to try to to get her to die sooner, you know, as soon as possible. Absolutely. Now, Bobby, Bobby, is there anything um, in terms of your work that you're doing in your lobbying in Washington D.C.? Is there anything that you can tell the listeners uh, as to how they could help? Uh, perhaps you could give out the name of the congressman again and uh, any thoughts of, of how people can help in in terms of Washington D.C. Yes, I, I apologize. I don't, I don't have the number here, but there is a main number. You can call Washington, and there is a, uh, a switchboard, and they will direct you to your local uh, congressman and your local senator. And you can just ask them to please, uh, once you, you, you uh, get in touch with your local congressman and senator, to ask them to please support uh, Representative Weldon's bill in the House and Senator Mel Martinez's bill in the Senate. And it would be very helpful if, if anybody would just please call and, and ask them to support uh, those bills. Um, that information, I think, is on Terry's website. Right. Yeah, that, that's good. Yeah, you can go to Terry's website and, yeah. and also get it that way. Yes, and we'll be giving that out as well. Well, thank you very much for joining us and for sharing this. And, of course, my compassion goes to you. I mean, it's. I know you've, ha- you've been 
up this road before where it seemed like it was a deadline and you've gotten reprieves, but I guess it's harder and harder to, uh, you know, each time your heart sinks as it, uh, because, as this judge seems to be hell-bent on, on making it happen. Well, we'll just uh, keep counting on all the prayers we're receiving and, 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 and pray for a miracle again uh, by yes. this Friday. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you again. Well, thank you, Dr. Lieberman. I appreciate it. That's Bobby Schindler, Jr., Terry's brother in Washington, D.C., trying to do what he can as the Congress is um, deciding whether or not to approve these bills, um, particularly in before Friday at 1. Okay, now, <laughs> Robert, let's, uh, let's sort of do a little, well, then actually, before we do a little recap, why don't um, you tell, tell everyone about, you had just been to see Terry this afternoon, and um, one of the things that the media has perpetuated, I'm sure much to your frustration and consternation, is the idea in, in sound bites, you know, um, the media doesn't really do a great job in sound bites of explaining anything. Um, oftentimes just confusion is, is perpetrated. Um, but because it seems that there's this picture of her um, as being almost in a coma, not really, you know, people still imagine her on a respirator. They don't get it that it's a feeding tube that's going to be pulled out that isn't going to cause an instantaneous death as one would have if one was on a respirator. Um, and they have this totally un, uh, invalid picture of what Terry is like. So you having just come from visiting her, why don't you tell us what, what that visit was like? In being with Terry, uh, the last couple days she she seems almost to the point where they're sedating her, and my concern is they're starting to prep her for Friday. Hmm. Uh, so she's still responsive. Normally, when we see Terry, uh, as soon as she uh, sees or hears her mother, she immediately uh, bursts into uh, you know a big smile will come on across her face and. Uh, she's so responsive, and she'll she'll try talking. Like I mentioned before she's saying things, but we don't know what she's saying. Now, my wife was with her this afternoon. We were there, and she keeps saying to Terry, "I love you, I love you." And Terry says, "I, I, I," mm. but she can't uh, pronounce the word "love" in you. Uh, with me, I I forget what I said to her, and she started to laugh. Huh. And uh, she's done that so many times, and I uh, I go back and I'll, I'll remind her of things in the past, uh, the thing, events that happened in her life that may be humorous. And uh -huh. oh, I know, I remember what I told her. I told her that uh, the school, the high school that she attended, uh, they had a huge. Uh, religious ceremony there yesterday where the bishop was in attendance. Hmm. And they had 1,100 uh, students and people attending that. And I told her that, that her high school just had a, uh, a religious service mass for her, and she started hmm. to, like, uh, laugh with approval. Huh. And that is uh, what happened. So and she generally, uh, she's responsive, you know, she tracks her mother all over the room. As soon as her mother goes away from her, uh, her eyes will follow her mother wherever she goes. Uh, sometimes she'll, uh, and I think she does it purposely, she'll, she'll be talking to me and uh, she'll, she'll 
distract somebody else. Uh-huh. And I scold her <laughs> for doing that. And it's almost like she's uh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like teasing with me. Because I tease the daylights out of her. Uh-huh. And I go there. And I, uh, I kiss her and I hug her. And when I do that, she just she has a lemon face, I call it, where uh, she has a sour look on her face. And as soon as uh, she, you know, I'll hug her and kiss her, and she does that, and I'll say, well, you really enjoyed that. I'll give you another one. And her face <laughs> is like she's been sucking on a lemon. <laughs> so that's the type of rapport I have with her. Uh-huh. I remember you were telling me the last time about uh, her being sort of um, mischievous and, and uh, about the restaurant, you know, when she was trying to pretend to this couple <laughs> that oh, she was your girlfriend. Exactly. And, uh like she had called me one time of the incident where she had bought this Christmas tree, and she called me up. She says, "Daddy, I bought this tree and it's crooked." And I said, "Well, take it back to where you bought it and, t- and tell them to put it into the tree straightener." <laughs> and with that, she called me about a half an hour later, and she she said to me, oh, "What did you do?" I went back there. There's no such thing as a tree straightener, <laughs> and that's the type of thing that we go back and forth. Uh huh. Well, that clearly shows to people that, you know, this isn't somebody who's comatose on a respirator. It's someone who's totally interacting with her environment and and, uh, particularly emotionally, uh, not just cognitively, but more importantly, emotionally. Yeah, and she's not hooked up to any kind of devices. It's nothing but a a feeding tube. And just the other day, we had a rally for Carrie, and they had... uh, as a a six-month-old infant that was there with a feeding tube. And I've seen other people, adults, with feeding tubes. And the fact that's how Terry receives her nutrition and hydration, and they're not only going to have the tube, they're ordering to remove the tube, and in the judge's order, he's forbidding her to be fed orally by mouth. Or to take in water. Well, water, naturally, the hydration is... Uh, I, I mean, that part, you know, I, I don't think I got that at first, that not only was he taking out the, you know, ordering that the two be taken out, but that um, that he was not even going to allow uh, an attempt to be made that's, that's to correct. feed her or to give her liquids, even though um, she nurses have said that she's had jello and that, and you've said that she can swallow her saliva. Absolutely. And so, so essentially, this is this is really inflicting a death sentence on someone. Well, he no, he wants her dead. I mean, right? There's no doubt about it. And I mean, in other words, it's not like um, taking out the tube and seeing whether on her own on her own she could still uh, drink or eat. Um, you know, in other words, taking away life something that could be considered life sustaining. And he's doing more than that. He's going beyond that. He's starving well, her and and. Hand them out to remove someone from a ventilator and say if they don't die, put a pillow over their face. That's That's right. That's That's right. Except that this takes a lot longer. Yes, it takes a week or more. It's unbelievable. Yes. Well, um, we will be back after this break. I'm talking with Robert Schindler Sr., the father of Terry Schindler Shivo. And uh, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com.
Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some trust-busting to do. Trust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the trust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Vasily, and get ready to do some serious trust-busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on voiceamerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for trust-busting your way to an awesome life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have a nationally known guest that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? Stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard's Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard's Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard's Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today the program is dedicated to saving Terry Schindler Shivo. We will be giving you um, a, a website to go to at the end of the show, which will give you ways that you can try to help as there is this countdown to Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, the time that Judge Greer has set aside for the feeding tube to be removed. And um, Terry's father, Mr. Schindler, um, has, was just talking about... Um, off the air, and I would like him to share with you um, some of the things that are happening, um, as he described it, as they seem to be building the gallows leading up to Friday. Yeah, very much so. It put me in mind of a, uh, uh, particularly like Western movies, where the uh, person who's going to be hanged is looking out of his jail cell, watching them building the gallows to hang him. Uh, what they've done is they have uh, barriers that have been placed 
were the better part of a mile along the street, which would permit anybody from parking or gathering. So there's, uh, there's, it's impossible for people to uh, attend any kind of a vigil or they're, they're anticipating probably a protest. And it's these yellow uh, or orange, rather, like a mesh plastic that are about four foot high. And they just, uh, they're, they're lying on both sides of the streets. Uh, so it's impossible for anyone to uh, in any way uh, conduct any kind of a rally or a vigil. There's policemen in front of the building uh, that are stopping any vehicles from attempting to park in the visitor's parking lot. There's policemen outside of Terry's room. There's two of them. Uh, there's uh, security cameras all over the place. Uh, so they're, they're just preparing to literally kill somebody and execute them. And it's just a ghoulish type of... I, I got sick to my stomach when I saw it, frankly. It was... Uh, it's a horrible thing, and uh, I go in, and poor Terry uh, is she's not even aware of what you know, they're going to try and do to her. Or they're going to uh, something to do to her. So it's just it's totally sick. I mean, this just sounds like such an, a not not even a worse nightmare that a parent can have. But I mean, as you said, it's back to Western days, or even um, even well, before front, that, it's frontier justice and. This, this judge that we have, he's had, and we counted him up up through uh, 2004, he had, it was 72 legal items that were presented to him, and he ruled against, or I should say he ruled in favor of our husband 62 out of the 72 times. And the 10 times that he ruled in our favor were all incidentals, like he returned our visiting rights, because we were banned from visiting Terry a number of times as were her brother and sister. So it were things like approval on, but anything that was a matter of uh, her life, where her life would be spared, any type of evidence, he just denied it and denied it and denied it. And this would be a good time to bring in your attorney, Attorney David Gibbs III. David, welcome to the show. Carol, delighted to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in our Save Terry Schindler Shivo show. Well, and that is what we are just diligently working towards. There's a lot of activity, but we are sitting here with a, a death sentence that has been ordered by a court, 1 o'clock on Friday, absent some other intervention, a disabled woman who's done nothing wrong is going to face a fate, death by dehydration and starvation. Uh, Carol, something that is illegal to be done to an animal, uh, something we would not do under our constitution to the worst of mass murderers, and yet that's what's being contemplated in our nation for this innocent, disabled woman, the daughter of Bob and Mary. And, you know, it's just so, what, what makes it even more unbelievable is that by now, certainly there gets to be more and more media attention, although, as I was saying before, a lot of the time in sound bites, the media gets it all wrong, you know, and gives a, a fallacious picture of what Terry is like so that people don't understand that this is uh, starving and causing dehydration hydration of uh, a woman who is uh, so much in touch with her outside world. Um, it, it's just amazing that, that the judge is allowed to continue with this, and furthermore, that criminal charges have still not been brought against Michael Shivo. Now, could you explain that? It, it, I know you've been trying. You've been doing an incredible job. A of and, and let me first of all address the judge, because I find this just unbelievable. The judge who has decided 
that Terry Schiavo should die, and, I mean, he has sentenced her to death this Friday, has never been to see Terry. Yes. And, I mean, you sit there and say, how would anybody make this huge decision? I mean, whether yes. a person should live or die and not even take the time or not even have the consideration to personally go observe this person. Um, the judge has never allowed Terry to come to court. I mean, it wasn't like he had to go out of his way. He could have said, you know, let's bring Terry to court. Let's let her be here. I mean, we do that for, again, people charged with crimes. They have the right to be in court. But we're going to just deprive Terry because she's disabled. She gets no due process. We're going to just take away her civil rights. We're going to put her over here in hospice. And then you raise the question about Michael Schiavo, and that is really the million-dollar question. I mean, Michael was only with Terry as her husband five years, and then this horrible incident occurs, and many people, uh, as do you, Carol, say, you know, he fits all the symptoms, all the profiles of someone that could well have even uh, done this to Terry. He's now going on with his life. He has another woman. He's been with her for 10 years. He has two children by that woman. And the question that everybody wants to know, Michael Schiavo, why won't you just walk away, let this mom and dad, they've loved Terry for 41 years, they're heart-sick that she's disabled, but with therapy they're just confident that she could indeed recover to a much greater standard of living. And why won't you just walk away? But instead he's just completely bent on control. He insists on killing this woman. And then not only does he want to kill her, but he's now informed the family, I intend to cremate her so there will be no way an autopsy or anything could ever be done, and then I'm going to go bury her remains in Pennsylvania so they're away from you. And it just seems so incredibly unkind. Yes, with Bobby earlier um, and Robert, we were talking about um, about all of these, you know, both the physical evidence and then, of course, uh, as you know, in May when um, uh, Terry's father was on the show and, and all of the pieces starting falling into place about how she, um, her husband fit the profile of this Prince of Darkness abusive man, um, it's just... Um, it's just so clear. Now, for example, one of the things that uh, that I've been looking at recently is how he became, how Michael, the husband, became a nurse, a nurse's aide, and then a nurse. And there had been um, these these uh, some evidence, some declarations by nurses saying that one of them, for example, who said that every time, or at least five times after Michael would visit. She would go in, and Terry would be in a state where she had low glucose, and she thought that Michael was giving her some kind of insulin. And, um, I mean, which, of course, as a nurse, he would have knowledge of, um, or even a nurse's aide, he would have knowledge of and access to. Well, and right now, Carol, so the listeners understand, uh, Michael is under investigation by the state of Florida for abuse against Terry. Now, again, they're investigating it. They have stated in open court that they have uh, 34 allegations from a credible source that Michael Schiavo, as the guardian of this woman, has not acted appropriately. Uh, some of the abuses alleged are fairly significant. Uh, some of them may, in some people's mind, be viewed as lesser. But, I mean, one of the, the clear questions is, why is Michael Schiavo hiding her? Why doesn't he let her go outside? They say that people with brain injuries function so much better with socialization, interaction, why has Michael got her locked down in a hospice surrounded by death? Uh, this is a woman who's not terminal. She is as, as alive as you or I. I mean, she would live uh, expected another 30 or 40 years if she's just fed. That's all we need to do to keep her alive. And we've got her surrounded by death in a tiny little hospice room with guards outside her door. 
I'm one of the few people that, along with the family, gets to go in and see Terry as legal counsel. And, I mean, it's like going through the airport. IDs, everything's checked. You sign in. It's like this protocol to keep her isolated because we've got to hide the fact that she's as alive as she is. Yes, yes. And it's just unbelievable that as a nurse, and you would think with the training to help promote and foster life, he would understand how alive his wife is. Yes. Well, now, um, I know that one of the bills uh, has to do with saying that that patients um, with pe- people with PBS, persistent vegetative state, um, it, it, it relates to that. Now, and the question that I have is, I know that you have, that, that the family, that over the years you've been trying, you've been able to prove with certain experts, neurologists primarily, that she is not in a persistent vegetative state, whereas Michael's, experts said that she is in a persistent vegetative state. Now, how this bill that seems to provide for people in persistent vegetative states, how is that going to help Terry? Well, that's is, an excellent question. Do you have question. to believe Michael's version in order for that to help Terry? Well, doctor, phenomenal question, and we have been in contact with Tallahassee today and have worked to get uh, parts of that amended because we don't want to limit any legislation to deal just with PBS because Persistent vegetative state is a condition that doctors oftentimes disagree. It's misdiagnosed 30 to 40% of the time. It's very difficult to know if someone's in a PBS or an MCS or other standards, as you're well aware. And so with this, what we're looking for is really a blanket prohibition. Quite simply put, if somebody didn't put it in a living will or a written document that they say starve me to death, we as public policy in Florida are not going to starve people to death. It's just good public policy. We don't allow that to be done to animals. We don't allow that to be done to death row inmates. Why would we want to be starving to death? And doctors have testified what a painful death this is. We're not talking um, she won't even know what's happening. We're talking about uh, pain, discomfort, the body just uh, beginning to parch and dry up from lack of uh, water and hydration, organs inside beginning to swell. Uh, because they can't put anything in her mouth, pain medications having uh, to be administered uh, different ways, and just a horrible, barbaric death, something we wouldn't do to the most heinous of prisoners in Iraq, and yet we're going to do it to an innocent, yes. disabled woman. Absolutely. I mean, I'm wondering, when um, are you, Mr. Schindler, um, prepared for, I mean, are you, have, are you aware of some of the things that can happen when someone is deprived of food and water, um, you know, the, the uh, for, for example, seizures, uh, tremendous anxiety. Um, you know, of course, the organs eat themselves in a sense when there's no food. They have to provide energy for the body, so they eat themselves. And, and the water, the dehydration, yes, as you were saying, um, causes all of the organs to dry. I mean, it's, I don't mean to, I mean, I'm just worried about you, really, no. that, that um, in, if this does go forward, that you are aware that this kind of state um, is is difficult to to observe, no less it's, to go through. It's unbelievable. Now, obviously, Doctor, our hope and prayer yes. is that the Schindlers don't have to go through that. Now, Absolutely. we need to be aware, Friday at 1 o'clock, that's what the, the court has ordered, kill this woman in this barbaric fashion. Death is generally accomplished, they estimate, between 7 and 30 days. So we need to realize it's not even a quick process. I mean, this is something that could go on well for up to a month with this woman going through this excruciating pain, unable to speak, but we believe able to feel and suffer the consequences of this. And so we are, I guess, 
perhaps in some measure unprepared for the horror of what's being contemplated. But we are still trying diligently. We believe that with what is happening in the United States Congress, what is happening in the Florida legislature, we believe with getting the word out through the media, as well as these courts that have final appeals, it is so right for us to defend Terry's right to live. She's a disabled woman. And somebody may be listening and say, well, I mean, if I was in an accident or I had a disability, would I want to live? But you know what? I think we need to be careful of people that are blessed. Doctor, you and I, we have the opportunity to work and function and, and do things through the, the gifts that are given to us. But we have a duty to look out for those that aren't as blessed as we are. And what we're really talking about is a judge that is able to go to work and function, a husband that's now a nurse and able to get on with his life, and instead of reaching out in love and protecting a disabled, hurting person, what they're candidly doing is getting away with murder. the ability to murder her yeah. with the blessing of law. And that, that's just unfathomable. And yes. I have to believe it's so wrong at some point. It might be the United States Supreme Court. It might be the Congress. It might be the legislature here in Florida. But somebody has to say, we don't want to live in an America yes. where innocent, disabled people are treated in this right. horrible fashion. Right. I mean, I guess the one thing um, about the fact that um, it can take uh, varying amounts of time um, to for dehydration and, and um, starvation to take effect, um, I guess the, the one positive thing about this is that um, it's, it gives you a little extra time. I mean, yes, of course, um, each day that that happens, there is going to be some discomfort. But um, but at least it gives you a little extra time. Although it, I know you have to, you certainly have to try to make something happen no, before Friday at once. No, it time and it creates urgency with decision makers. I mean, we need to remember last time they removed the feeding, Terry went six days without food, and mm-hmm. interestingly demonstrated an incredible will to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, if she was sitting there wishing she could be gone, certainly going that long without food. She collapsed into an uh, unconscious or unresponsive state. But, I mean, Terry is scrappy. And that when you see her with her mom and dad, it's just unbelievable. I mean, watching her look at her mother and, and, and laugh and cry and get excited and try to talk. Yes. And Mary's been trying to teach her how to say, I love you. And, and Terry works so hard. She's pretty good at the eye. And she even sort of gets the love out, although it sounds a little like the eye. And she hasn't done too well with the you yet. But, I mean, you sit there and look at a mother and a daughter. And you say, you know what, I wish the judge would walk in here and yeah. see what he's ordered. I wish Michael Schiavo would walk in here and see what he's doing. Well, I don't think it would affect Michael. I actually don't think it would affect, well, it wouldn't affect Michael Schiavo since he's uh, seen, you know, um, uh, he knows to some degree what she's capable of. And the judge seems to be committed to this for obviously hidden uh, dark reasons um, that... I wish uh, all of America could see it, because I'm telling you, any person that's on the fence and saying, yeah. I don't know how I feel about yeah. this issue, or I'm not sure what I think, right. if you would see that girl, uh, there's something about someone that's alive. I, I've been on a farm, I've seen a dead animal, and you can move the arm and twitch, and you can still see reflex, but it's a, it's a dead animal. The life has left the body. When you see Terry Schiavo... She is full of life. She's got sparkle. She's got personality. And, I mean, if we're going to kill Terry Schiavo, uh, every infant baby in America is in some jeopardy under this because, I mean, they can't feed themselves either, and they they can't clearly communicate. And just because they sparkle and get excited at their parents, using the same logic, we could turn around and justify all sorts of heinous acts. That's right. Well, before time runs out, I want you – 
Perhaps, uh, Mr. Schindler, you could give out the website, Terry's website. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that would be Terry's Fight. That's T-E-R-R-I-S-F-I-G-H-T dot O-R-G. Terry's Fight dot org. Correct. And um, do you, Mr. Gibbs, do you have any additional suggestions of what people can do or is it all on the website or is there some? It, it is on the website, but let me just add quickly. We need the White House right now to speak up in support of what's happening in the mm-hmm. Congress. So President Bush has been a, a strong well, you friend think of Jeff White. Bush would, have, would be able to help with that. And, and we need to ask uh, the White House to please issue a statement and encourage people to contact them. Congress and the legislature, again, and certainly the prayers of concerned people and the good wishes of people across the nation. Um, The Schindlers are amazing people. I have the privilege, as you do, Carol, of knowing them personally, and they are just, uh, they're the real thing. I mean, they're just a mom and dad. They're just humble people. They're working people. They've thrown everything they have into this case because they say, we love our daughter, and I would just encourage people everywhere. Uh, The Schindlers are worthy of your support, your concern, your prayers, and I believe what they're standing for is incredibly right, and I'm honored to be legal counsel serving them. Yes, and I would like to say, Mr. Schindler, I know we've joked sometimes um, when you've said you need my couch, but um, my couch is always open to you, and it doesn't have to be on the radio. Well, you, you, you may be that you you may require a triple wide couch. Right, <laughs> you also be on there. It's, uh, well, yes, it's for uh, sure. The, the, the attorney gives us so kind that you know it's been a family effort. Because my son has literally sacrificed his life. He's still a young man. He's single, and uh, he's dedicated the last four years to Terry and trying to save her. My daughter Suzanne the same way, and uh, my wife is uh, she's a strong girl, and I uh, it's difficult. Yes, and I um, I also it makes me feel good to know at least that you had forwarded the testimony that I wrote, the profile, uh, listing all the reasons that um, Michael Schiavo fit the profile of a, an abusive husband. I'm at least pleased to know that you forwarded that to Governor Jeb Bush, uh, who presumably gave it to DCFS. And anything else, as you know, that I can do um, between now and Friday and certainly hopefully thereafter, um, please just don't hesitate to, uh, to call on me to do. And I would urge my listeners again, please, to uh, go to this website. You'll see some of the things that we've been talking about, some um, affidavits, some explanations, uh, in even in more detail about uh, this horrendous journey that this family has been going on, trying to get justice, trying to save their daughter's life. So let me give that website out to you again. It's terrysfight.org, T-E-R-R-I-S-F-I-G-H-T dot org. Um, also calling the, your local congressman to help with that, and yes, calling the White House. That would just be, uh, uh, they, they actually haven't stepped in yet, but let's hope that they uh, now can join in Governor Jeb Bush's um, assistance that he's been trying to make and uh, put their voice into it, too. You would hope that the president has more power than one judge in, uh, in Florida. Yes, you would hope. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you again, my guest, Robert Schindler Sr., Terry Schindler Shiva's father, and um, Mr. Gibbs, um, the attorney for the family who's been 
dedicated, and, and all of you have been dedicated, David Gibbs III, uh, to trying to save Terry. And let's just uh, also add some prayers for, um, for between now and Friday at 1. Our prayers are with you, so thank you again. This is Dr. Carol Lieberman. I'm your psychiatrist host. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com. joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.